Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. I can smell the Purell on you, Jen, all the way from here. Yeah, well, then you're too close. You need to back up. (laughs) At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz begins now. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the podcast that informs you on the ever-changing world of entertainment. I am Lou Katz, and please welcome, from a safe, safe distance, many miles away from WTOP Radio and Vulture, it is our entertainment guru, Jen Chaney. Oh. Hello. Whoa. I'm shouting from a safe distance. And you're coming in pretty clear. And now we head over to the underground bunker at an undisclosed sterile location, also by phone, <laughs> the never-aging Arch Campbell. <laughs> this underground bunker is really helping. <laughs> it ain't, we're not six feet apart. We're six miles apart. Right, exactly. So, but Jen, uh, we're thinking about you, and um, you're... Uh, uh, head of a family and raising a child, and uh, this must be something you can tell your grandchildren about. That's the hope. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess hope is the uh, is the uh, operative word there. So um, you must be spending a lot of time uh, previewing uh, series, and what have you seen that you especially like now? Well, I know everybody's been talking about Tiger King on Netflix. We're guessing you've watched it already, right? I have watched it, yeah. I, I can't wait to hear what you think. Before we talk about that, though, I, there's a really great Netflix series that launched last week called Unorthodox. It's only mm-hmm. four episodes. It's about a uh, woman living in a Hasidic Jewish community in Brooklyn, and she decides to flee her home, flee her husband, and escape to Berlin. And you're not sure what her reasons are for leaving. And so as the show progresses, they're sort of peeling away those layers, and you're starting to understand, well, how did the marriage come about? It kind of toggles between what's happening in the present and what's happening, what happened in the past. And um, it's just really well acted. It's beautifully filmed. And it is weirdly like a a nice thing to be watching during this time when we're closed in because, number one, it introduces you to, a, for most of us anyway, a culture that we don't know much about. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the fact that she gets to go to – she goes to Berlin, it's like we get to take this trip to this other place that uh, obviously we can't really go right now. But it is also the whole theme of it, just escaping a life that feels constraining to her. That is something that I think – on a different level we can uh, relate to right now. So if you're looking for something else on Netflix to watch that is not about tigers, I recommend Unorthodox. I had a chance, folks, uh, to watch all four episodes. And, uh-huh. and the, woman who, the woman who stars in it, Shira Haas, Israeli actor, uh, was also yeah. in the uh, series Stitzel back uh, mm-hmm. that was released in 2013. And I, I do highly recommend it. I, I really liked it. I didn't necessarily like how it actually ended on the fourth episode, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think I think they may have done it that way in case they want to add more episodes later on. But, yeah, definitely I recommend mm-hmm. it for sure. Check it out, Arch. Sure, Haas is excellent. I've got Unorthodox on my list to uh, to watch, and uh, and I think we'll, you know, we're going through a lot of materials. So- so, uh, yeah, that's on mine. You remember there was a, an independent movie that was set in the Hasidic community that came out within the last couple of years that I remembered watching and really liking, and I can't think of the name of it. Hmm. <laughs> well, I can't either. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I'm going to look that up and uh, and get it to you one of these days because I I do remember, and and as with unorthodox, a look at a community that we don't know much about. Mm-hmm. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, if unorthodox is number one on your recommendation list, what's uh, what follows that? If you're not watching um, Plot Against America, that's been uh, mm rolling out on HBO on Monday nights, and I think that's a really excellent series. Uh, it's, it's not a light watch. Uh, oh. uh, it's, um, it's pretty serious and, and uh, you know, an alternate history of, of what would have happened if Charles Lindbergh had been president and we hadn't engaged in World War II and, and anti-Semitism had started to grow in, in much more blatant ways in the United States at that time. Um, so it's a pretty bracing drama but it's it's very well done yeah based on a philip roth novel and i am watching and following it i haven't watched the third episode yet i'm watching it in real time and i'm really impressed with the uh, production of it and the yeah. act and uh, and the plot you know carries you along one of the things i liked about plot against america is they have a movie theater in their community that only shows newsreels Mm-hmm. Have you picked up on that? Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. And, uh, you know, I guess that's a, that's a little cultural uh, touch that I had, uh, had had known about. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm certainly all in. Now, I watch Tiger King because everybody's talking about it, and uh, it's the number one uh, viewed series on Netflix this week. And um, I'm going to cede my time to you, Jen, because I really want to hear what you have to say. I just want to say that it reminds me that there are many excellent true crime documentaries out there, including um, Unbelievable, which you put me on, which is uh, it's not a documentary, but it's based on, on reality. And uh, and also I'm thinking of um, the keepers and leather. Mm-hmm. There are really some great true crime documentaries, and the the one you put me on, uh, Macmillions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that form is uh, is coming out, and uh, and I think it's valuable. But tell <laughs> tell me your take on Tiger King. Well, I'm in the process of writing a piece. Uh, about that show and and in the context that you just put it actually like how how it fits in and how it differs from a lot of uh, documentaries and docuseries that we've been seeing recently and I've called this genre the WTF documentaries (laughs) that are constantly making you go oh my gosh I can't believe it this is so shocking I think that there are, are documentaries like that that have been done in a more thoughtful way one great one is Wild Wild Country I don't know if you ever watched that I didn't um, see that. It's a Netflix docuseries that came out a couple of years ago um, about a, a commune slash cult that uh, sprung up in Oregon in the 1980s and in this kind of small town and then proceeded to, like, take over the government of the small town. Uh, and, and the story gets even wilder from there. And the difference between a documentary like that and Tiger King is that, A, I felt like the, the filmmakers behind Wild Wild Country were telling a story that happens to be wild, but also doing it in a thoughtful way. And I think um, a way that you're always kind of learning more about 
um, the situation and about the people talking about the situation. Like every time you thought you, oh, I know what these people are like, they would surprise you. And you'd be like, oh, well, maybe I see that differently. Tiger King is not like that. It's like, hey, look at how crazy these people are. And I yeah. honestly don't think it goes much deeper than that. And it makes uh, – it, it feels closer to, to like a, a trashy reality show than a I've serious documentary. I've told friends that it's a cross between Macmillions and Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> yeah, with a little little uh, nature documentary footage to throw in uh, there. And, uh, and it is the story of this guy, Joe Exotic, who uh, owned a private zoo in Oklahoma and wanted to be a reality star and instead went to prison for putting a hit on a woman named Carol Baskin, who uh, owns something called Big Cat Rescue. I caught a couple of instances in the series. There's one shot where a group of reporters are interviewing one of the uh, spokespeople from the uh, documentary that looked like they recreated it to me. I, they're, mm -hmm. they're, look, did, did you catch that? And there's a couple of moments like that where it's like they're recreating this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, and it uh, uh, took away from the reality of it. There's a guy who is identified as businessman, which is a, <laughs> a, a descriptor that they use for more than one person, but right. who, who they talked to several times, and he's implying that, you know, he might know more he might have more information on other people that could eventually bring charges to other people. And then they just have this scene of him on a jet ski to Eye of the Tiger. And, and the point, I guess, is like, oh, he thinks he's so heroic. But it's like, it just seems like they're making fun of him for no reason. Right. It, it seems like they're showing off at that point. Um, and, and I just, it, it didn't, it's not necessary. I think the point of it is there are all these private zoos and all these people are breeding tigers and there are more Tigers, uh, like twice as many tigers, are in private zoos and captivities as there are in the wild. And, and there's also the implication of uh, terrible treatment of these animals and cubs being uh, euthanized when, uh, when they get past the tiger-cub uh, stage. Uh, and so, you know, there is a, uh, an animal rights issue to this. I just I wanted to ask you if you think the timing that it it's dropping now at this unusual time in our world has something to do with its popularity. I mean, I'm sure it does to some extent. You know, everybody's stuck inside. They're looking for something to watch. This show is what everybody's been talking about. Most people, when they're looking to, for something to watch, they tend to go to Netflix. Um, right. So you, you put all those things together, and yeah, I'm sure it has something to do with it. But people clearly seem to think it's good. Otherwise, they wouldn't be recommending it um, to other people. So I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you're mixed on it, and yes. I, I got it. Uh, but I found I, – I didn't find it a pleasure to binge. And no, I thought, it's I not. I thought I wouldn't be able to, to get away from it the way I felt about Macmillions or um, – unbelievable, which you recommended to me. Right. I mean, part of it, too, is that nobody in this thing is a likable person. No. And, and, and you don't, maybe to, at the very end, you feel some empathy 
for Joe Exotic, but for the most part, like you just don't, you're not rooting for anybody at all in this. Um, well, thing. another way to put it is maybe it would have been a better four-part series than a seven-part series. Well, that's probably true. So I don't know. Did you watch the? You know, I, I'm a big fan of Octavia Spencer. And uh, she uh, starred in Self Made, uh, the story of Madam C.J. Walker. And this was a Netflix four-parter. And a lot of people have wanted to make the story of Madam C.J. Walker, who uh, at the turn of the century started a uh, vast business for hair care for black women and became uh, the first black millionaire in America and ultimately uh, built a mansion and lived next door to John Rockefeller uh, in New York. Did you watch that at all? I didn't watch it. I didn't get around to it. And I also had gotten the impression that it wasn't particularly great that people were sort of disappointed. But what did you think of it? Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Octavia Spencer, and any time she's in something, I want to see it. And when she's in something, I, uh, I want it to be uh, good on her behalf. And I sort of felt like they didn't quite trust the material. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I wanted it to be better than it was. Yeah. Uh, I watched it. Blair Underwood's in it, and so is Tiffany Haddish, and uh, I think Cassie Lemons uh, directed it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good people involved, but mm-hmm. and maybe it shouldn't have been a four-parter. Maybe it would have been better as a, a long-form movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, I, uh, I'm with you on that. But incidentally, <laughs> while we're talking about things, we've just plowed through. I finally got through the center, and toward the end of the center, you know, the one with Bill Pullman where he's this weird detective and uh, this guy, Matt Bomer and Chris Messina, they're, they're spouting all this philosophy and how you need to live life on the edge, and they start killing people, and that just turned into a slog for me. I, I, <laughs> at the, the last episode, I just, it's just... Just it was too dark, too dark. Mm-hmm, Let's talk mm-hmm. about Better Call Saul. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Going in, going in some directions I was not anticipating. <laughs> so uh, there's just three episodes left. How many? How many more seasons are? Do you know how many more seasons? There's one more, and that's it. So we're we're starting to come up against the beginning of Breaking Bad, and. Uh, Every every episode I watch, I worry about Ree Seahorn as Kim. Mm-hmm. You you nailed that when you uh, uh, focused on her for this season. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a, a spoiler for people who watch the show but haven't gotten through all the episodes yet. You know, there was a really big episode where Jimmy yeah. they had an agreement in this, this legal situation where he was rep- defending someone that was, uh, you know, didn't want their land to be seized by the company that uh, Kim represents. And he just he really deceived her completely and made her look horrible in front of the people that uh, employ her as an attorney. And I thought for sure, well, that's it. That's the end of this. And it, and it almost was. And then all of a sudden she's like, or oh, the other thing we can do is get married. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and and at, when they dropped that, that line, uh, both 
it was an oh my god moment. You know, it was a it was a oh my god out loud. You know, it was a drop the couch. Mm-hmm. It was uh, your jaw dropped. The unsaid fear, I think, is that uh, Kim. I think the question is how is Kim, since Kim isn't in Breaking Bad. How will she disappear? And basically, uh, every episode, I'm worried for her. Right. You know, they tried to explain in the subsequent episode, which is the most recent one, you know, she, they they were getting married so that she wouldn't, she would never be asked to testify. Um, like, mm-hmm. in a way, it was sort of to save her in some fashion, I guess, and save him. But I just, I don't, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand why she's doing this to herself no that that's the question i mean and uh and that's why i keep watching because what's she doing there why you know what attracts her to him mm-hmm. so it, it's a great uh it's a great uh piece of tension for that show I'd, I'd say better call Saul is the best thing on tv my wife wendy and i decided to actually watch uh better call Saul. And we've never seen Breaking Bad. And we went to the very first episode of Better Call Saul. And yeah. and um, I don't know if I completely get it. Do I? Do should I just stop? I mean, <laughs> before I really get started into it. I th- I do think it's better if you've seen Breaking Bad. So you you recommend going back, seeing Breaking Bad, then picking up Better Better Call Saul. I mean, you should you should do that anyway, just as a matter right. of principle. <laughs> So drop everything, go up to your room right now. <laughs> Episode one of Breaking Bad <laughs> okay. is what, six or seven uh, seasons. Right. Gina and I watched Breaking Bad all over again from the opening episode to the finale. And it was, uh, you know, we watched it on a binge uh, level. And it was even better than watching it on a weekly basis. So, mm. uh, so. We got a little time on our hands. <laughs> Don't we all? Thanks for the recommendation. We're your social director. <laughs> so, uh, Jen, I want to ask you how are you experiencing movies in this uh, all streaming world? You know, it is weird not to be able to go to the theater, that's for sure. And I and I worry about sort of what, what is that landscape going to look like whenever we come out of this thing. A lot of people were talking about Blow the Man Down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you and I both saw a pair of yeah. sisters dispose of an inconvenient body in a fishing village that is uh, invisibly run by the town's women. So Sophie Lowe and Morgan Saylor are the sisters. Margot Martindale the delightful character actress plays the town madam. June Squibb from Nebraska has a lovely uh, part, and Annette O'Toole returns uh, as part of the uh, matriarchy of this little fishing village. And Blow the Man Down has kind of a Coen Brothers uh, vibe to it. Uh, A couple of people are killed, and what do we do now? And what's your take on Blow the Man Down? You know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was well done. It was a tight, tightly told story. You know, based on the people you mentioned, I think uh, most folks would, would infer that the uh, acting in it is pretty good, which it is. It's not a, like, a major film, but if you're looking for something to watch, um, 
something diverting and something that has a little bit of a dark, almost noirish kind of vibe to it, I think it's not a bad choice. I was thinking of Blood Simple as I watched it. Mm, yeah. I like that actress, Sophie Lowe. I wasn't really uh, uh, familiar with her. Mm-hmm. I watched Blow the Man Down, and when I watched it, I was thinking, you know, this is the kind of thing where it would be great if I was playing hooky and uh, some afternoon it was raining, I couldn't do anything else, and I uh, slip into the landmark in Bethesda or East Street or the Avalon and kind of mm-hmm. sit back and, and take it in. I mean, you know, it's that independent sort of discovery-like film and streaming it in the same room where I'm watching all my TV and the news and these various other series doesn't give it the greatest envelope, I guess I want to say. Hmm. You know, I, I just I, I wanted to be sitting in the back of the theater with my leg over the chair in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever do that? Uh, no, I try not to. <laughs> also, I don't think my legs reach that far. Jen has real manners, buddy. And that's why we value her. What else, Jen, have you seen that you like uh, movie-wise? Well, I mean, one nice thing in a way about this is that because so many movies were like had just come out or were just about to come out, that they're just pushing them right to streaming. So certainly many have been pushed back. I mean, Sony pushed its entire summer schedule back to next year. Um, so we're seeing a lot of things just being postponed. You know, we're also able to see things at home that we might have missed. So there's a, a film called Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always yeah. uh, that's starting streaming soon. And it's also in, in, in the same way as Blow the Man Down. It's an indie film. It is the kind of movie that you would sort of walk in and, and feel like you discovered something. It's about a teenager and her cousin. The teenager realizes she's pregnant and um, she doesn't want to, she wants to be able to get an abortion without telling her parents so she and the cousin go from Pennsylvania to New York City, and it's just a very, very real feeling um, observation of, of what happens to these two girls as they make their way through the city and as she, you know, makes this really tough decision. And it's uh, it's just really well observed, and and it does feel like you're you're living, you're you're watching someone's real life unfold. Um, as you watch the movie. And uh, are the actresses, uh, who are the actresses? Are they people we know? I had never seen them before. Uh, Sydney Flanagan, it, um, she plays the main character. This is actually, this is her debut film, which explains why I'd never seen her before. And I think Talia Ryder is the, the other actress, who I also had not seen before. They were really well cast because they look like they could be cousins. Like, they, they are not mm. identical, certainly, but they uh, they look like they could be related. I'm trying to look up that movie about Hasidics that I liked <laughs> much. And it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. It doesn't ring a bell with you. Like a very, very vague bell that I can't hear very well. Oh, um, Minch, M-E-N-A-S-H-E. Okay. Deep in the heart of New York's notorious secretive Hasidic Jewish community, Minch, M-E-N-A-S-H-E, Menashe, Minch, a good-hearted but somewhat hapless grocery store clerk 
struggles against tradition to keep custody of his only son after his wife passes away. I never saw it, but now that, yes, now I do remember the, the film that you're talking about. Well, I remember it and uh, was impressed by it, M-E-N-A-S-H-E, <laughs> if I can only pronounce it. Is it Menashe? Menashe, maybe. I don't know. Where's Where's Lou? Lou, this, these are your people. I'm the staff <laughs> Jew on <laughs> here. I should know this, but I, I I did not I did not see the movie. M e n a s h e uh, from 2017, which just reminds me to uh, go back over this and say that uh, Jen recommends Unorthodox, and uh, and Lou saw it and likes it, and uh, I'm going to watch it. And we do have the second season of Ozark, and uh, there is always Tiger Kings. Although, I just, I, you know, back for Tiger King, I just got to say a little bit of that Joe Exotic uh, went a long way. So I'll... <laughs> <laughs> yes, you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's probably true. A little bit of all of them went a long way. We're talking about movies and little movies you would love to discover. I want to mention that Stuart Gordon uh, died uh, this week. He was 72 years old, and I'm remembering him because he wrote and directed The Reanimator. Do you remember The Reanimator? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those college films that was so outrageous came out in the mid 80s for the time it was so outrageous and uh i was at the afi and they showed it recently and it's not nearly as good (laughs) (laughs) as i remembered but uh he also came up with the idea for honey i shrunk the kids and for uh he, he wrote a play called er emergency room that became the series er on nbc so that's Stuart gordon and uh jen any final words for us uh you know just everybody keep staying at home as, as much as it it may feel stifling and and confining you know the best way to escape if it's not to read a book is to to watch something so you know we've we've been training our whole lives to just sit around on our butts and watch tv and uh, i feel if we as a nation we can do this as our butts get bigger with all the snacking we can eat and watch television right. I'm, I'm confident we're going to take a quick break right now with a covid 19 public service announcement from hound radio and we'll be back in just a moment hound radio presents larry david from curb your enthusiasm with this special uh, public service announcement hello i'm larry david obviously somebody put me up to this because it's generally not the kind of thing i do but i basically want to address Uh, The idiots out there, and you you know who you are. You're going out. I don't know what you're doing. You're you're socializing too close. It's it's not good. You're hurting old people like me. Well, not me. I have nothing to do with you. I'll never see you. But, you know, other, let's say other old people who might be your relatives. Who the hell knows? But the problem is you're passing up a fantastic opportunity, a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to stay in the house, sit on the couch, and, and watch... Watch TV. I mean, I, I don't know how you're passing that up. Well, maybe because you're not you're not that bright. But uh, uh, here it is. Go home, watch TV. That that's my advice to you. You know, if you've seen my show, 
Nothing good ever happens going out of the house, you know that. There's just trouble out there. It's not a good place to be. So stay home and, and you know, don't see anyone. Except maybe if there's a plumbing emergency, let the plumber in and then, you know, wipe everything down after he leaves. But, that, but that's it. Okay. At the Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. So it's always a pleasure to talk to our great friend Jason Fraley of WTOP Radio, the entertainment editor, the guy who covers theater, movies, entertainment, culture, none of which are going on now. Jason is in his bunker, and... Uh, what I want to ask you immediately, Jason, is how are you responding to the new world of entertainment? Yeah, well, I get to talk to you guys on a personal level. My wife and I are just hunkered down in our house in Frederick, Maryland, and trying to take this as serious as possible you and not going your out. Wedding at your first wedding anniversary. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was Monday, and so we were going to take a trip, but instead we decided to stay in. So we're we're taking it seriously in terms of uh, entertainment coverage. Like you said there in the intro, it it basically it's changed everything. I mean, uh, there's no theater to go cover. I just uh, I'm working on a. Enterprise piece that talked about four different theaters, uh, probably roll that out early next week about how they're responding. They're asking, you know, audiences and season ticket holders to maybe donate their tickets back as a way to give money back to the theaters. I know Arena Stage and Forts and uh, Signature Theater and Omni Theater are, are asking that. And then, yeah, and then, it, you know, if you, when you have to come up with a story for every day, it's just trying to get a collection of, you know, see if there's any celebrity interviews I can land over the phone. Like today we just had Taraji P. Henson about a Netflix show. And then, yeah, and then just finding what's what streaming, uh, you know, on Netflix and the like to be able to do some reviews because the movie theaters, as you know, are closed as well. So it's a, it's a crazy time. Well, uh, what do you think the long long-term effect is going to be? Do you think uh, going to the movies will, how will that change? Will it ever be the same? Well, I hope that it, it gets back to, you know, the way it was going out to the theater because, you know, to me, I mean, I know you guys will all agree, there's no substitution for, for seeing something on, on the big screen, which is, you know, another reason I was upset the, the Uptown Theater closed yeah. the other day. But, I, yeah, I mean, part, there's part of me that thinks maybe we will never get back to the completely the way it was. I, I worry that maybe we're going to be in a, in a new normal where, you know, you know, movie theaters will open again, you know, whether it's in the summer or in the fall, God knows how long this will last. Um, but, yeah, I worry that, you know, there was already a tension between streaming and theatrical, um, you know, with the Oscars and everything else uh, that existed prior to the coronavirus. And I feel like now, once people got a taste of watching stuff at home, maybe, you know, maybe that pendulum swings a little more towards streaming and, you know, the movie theaters will reopen. But the question is how many people will decide to go back to them? You know, there might be a little bit of a, a lingering fear. Um, I re the closest I can remember is, you know, after 9-11, which was horrific on a different level. But um, but this is a whole new animal because, you know, at least, you know, with that, you maybe were scared to go back, but it was let's go back and live our lives, you know, the way we were, terrorist attack, or even some of these mass shootings, you could see them happening. But with this, it's uh, it, it's the mystery of, of the illness in the air, the, the unknown you can't see. And I wonder how many people will shy away from theaters like that. I hope not. I hope we get back to 
that big communal viewing because I think that's the, the best way to see movies. You know, everybody is talking about the movie Contagion, but my mind went back to uh, Outbreak. Do you remember that with Dustin Hoffman and uh, and there's a scene Kevin Spacey, in there. And, yeah. If I'm correct, and God knows my my mind is addled, it seems like there's a scene in there where they're in a movie theater and somebody sneezes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they track the droplets falling on somebody else. <laughs> yeah, that it's actually that out, outbreak. Outbreak has been uh, trending in the top ten on Netflix, I'd say, for like the last several weeks. And I keep, I, for some reason, the image that came to mind, you know, we're all thinking of these disaster movies at this point. But the image that came in my mind was, you remember at the the beginning of in Independence Day, there's all the groups of people wanting to social gather on the rooftop and greet the aliens on top of the building, and Jeff Goldblum is the scientist staying away, saying no, don't do it. And right now, I feel like we should all be Goldblums. There's people on the on the the roof of the building get blasted, and I don't know. I just I keep it's it, it's weird. It's like we say it many times. It's like we're living in a movie where. You know, you're trying to be the responsible one while everyone else is saying, whoa, an excuse to go party. And you're saying, no, if you want to save lives, stay indoors. We've seen right. the movie before, except now it's playing out in real life. So, yeah, so, outbreak. So I guess the one thing that is really trending these days is Tiger King. And I know you've seen it and have been writing about it and talking about it on WTOP. And tell us. Your take of Tiger King, the story of Joe Exotic and the tigers he breeds and shows in a private zoo. Yeah, I, I, man, I, I saw it trending number one on Netflix, and I was like, okay, I, I guess I got to check this out. And it's it's one of the most bonkers, bizarre, true crime docs that I, I can remember seeing. I mean. The, the filmmaking, you know, it might not be Werner Herzog's Grizzly Man, but you know what I mean. But it, but it's it is that it's Grizzly Man on steroids with a, with a mullet and uh, and murder for hire plots and interviewees with missing limbs and it, it, and it, it, the entire thing just every episode leave, left you with a, a a a cliffhanger where. You're, you're like, well, I got to start the next episode because it can't get any more bizarre than this. They and it does. You into the next one. I will give them that. I've been telling people that it's like a cross between McMillions and Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, but it's, it's, it's become a bit of a, a phenomenon um, where you know, there's, there's a on social media, people are all doing memes about it, and even the Florida sheriff. Um, as a result of this, is uh, accepting he's been getting a ton of leads about, you know, we don't want to give anything away in the documentary, but about Joe Exotic's rival Carol Baskin in the movie. He's he's got this grudge against her and is trying to raise, you know, concerns about her past, maybe. And now, as a result of this documentary, uh, sheriffs are looking into her as well. So it is it is bizarre. I I, I, I it's like a car crash. I couldn't look away. <laughs> it is. It's a car crash. I, it is interesting to me that the age of streaming has kind of created this new form, which is the true crime documentary, and uh, and some of them are better than others. I particularly liked Macmillions on HBO recently, uh, but others, uh, including The Keepers, about the uh, murders in uh, Baltimore, and, uh, you know, there's there are a dozen... 
There are a dozen better true crime stories than this Joe Exotic thing, because after a while, I, I felt like a little bit of him goes a long way. But, uh, you know, I binged the whole thing. I couldn't I couldn't stay off of it. Yeah, I would say The Keepers on Netflix and then uh, The Jinx on HBO about uh-huh. uh, Robert Durst. I think those two are the cream of the crop if you want some, you know, serious true crime. Well, of course, you know, if you want to go back to the thin blue line with Errol Morris, started the whole yeah. thing and got the guy off death row. But, um, but yeah, Tiger King, I, you know, maybe not, you wouldn't put it there with the quality of the filmmaking, but in terms of a, a must-watch, bizarre, to plug into what everyone's talking about, you, you got to yeah. watch it or you're out of the loop, you know? So. Uh, you know, they all recreate things, but I felt like some of their recreations were a little cheesier than others. Several times I kind of laughed at the filmmaking. But, you know, I watched. So what are your thoughts on this time, and uh, what's coming up for you on uh, WTOP? Well, my thoughts are I'm just going to stay hunkered down and keep keep finding stuff to stream. Um, You know, we mentioned Tiger King. I also watched the Octavia Spencer uh, four-episode miniseries, self-made about yeah. Madam C.J. Walker. I mean, that was that was an interesting thing. I actually thought They've the first three episodes... They've been wanting story for years, and, um, and when Octavia Spencer is in something, I want to watch it, because uh, I think a lot of her. I just, I kind of felt like I wished uh, self-made had been a little bit better, or might have been a little bit better if they'd have made it as a long-form movie. I agree, or even even if they gave it, you know, maybe six or eight episodes, I feel like it would have been better than four because the first few episodes were felt paced much better, and then suddenly there was, at, at the start of episode four, it gave us a montage, and suddenly she's a millionaire and living in New York yeah. and next to the Rockefellers. Yeah. It kind of it rushed it down the stretch, and there's even some controversy about whether her the villain in the antagonist Addie, whether she you know she wasn't actually based on a real person, you know some some factual stuff. So yeah, yeah I mean it, it was. I admire the idea of shining a light on a quote unquote another hidden figure from history, but um, at the same time I do think it was rushed. Um, if you have time, check out the the documentary on Netflix, Crip Camp. Have you seen this? It's oh, about the, um, the Crip Camp. Um, it's about it's, oh, it's Crip the one. Camp. It's, yes. Yes, yes. It's the second one. You know, you know how, you know, the the Obamas started a, a documentary wing. They won the Oscar for American Factory. This is their follow-up. It's called Crip Camp. Obviously, they're not in the documentary, so people don't worry about your politics, but it's um they it's about the disability rights movement. Um and, and it it follows this camp I think in like the early 70s where um a bunch of uh people with disabilities gather at, at a camp and um and then years later they reunite and launch over decades. We see it during the Nixon administration and during the Carter administration, all the way up until, uh, I guess it was uh, Bush Sr., yeah, 41, finally signs the, the Disability Rights Act. And uh, it, it, it shows a whole different side of the civil rights movement 
they find a little um i think it's like the in the language of the of the bill back with the 64 bill that, that martin luther king helped pass they find a, a little a, a addendum i think 504 is what they call it that right. that's supposed to lay out rights for disability and they fight and fight and fight and uh they finally get it passed and and you know and 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 we get the world we live in today so i thought i would highly recommend that it was a fascinating look at a era of uh civil rights movement that i i didn't even really know much about jason i just you know i wanted to check in with you because you're one of my favorite guys and i certainly admire your work and you've always been nice to me and uh <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that came well, I would hope I would be nice to you. I owe, I owe you a lot, Arch. And if you get a chance, uh, if you get a chance, I've been also watching uh, Ken Burns' baseball series on PBS. Yeah. They re-released it yeah. because opening day, yeah, opening day was supposed to be this past Thursday, and uh, I went and rewatched like the whole twenty-five hours of it. And uh, man, I I love it. So if you're missing the national pastime, that'll help fill the void, everybody. <laughs> I take it that you recommend Crip Camp and uh, catching up on Ken Burns' uh, work, and that's uh, that's a great uh, recommendation. Absolutely, uh, and thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to come on uh, whenever you guys need me. Okay, best wishes. Take care of yourself. All right, you guys be safe. Always fun hearing from Jason. Well, Louie, <laughs> here we are. Uh, six miles apart, but still together. And uh, thank you for uh, lashing this uh, podcast together. And uh, I, it sounds like uh, next week we'll do a little short update on uh, what we're watching and what's available. And uh, we'll check in with, uh, with Jen. And so I will see you or, or at least talk to you then. You know, Arch, I wanted to mention a, a very a special milestone with the podcast. Oh, yeah? It's our one-year anniversary, buddy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we actually, I think the la- the very first podcast was March 30th of 2019. So, yeah, this is this is this marks our the beginning of our second year together. It may be our second year together on this podcast, but it's been many years for you and me. And, uh, you know, I appreciate your friendship. Oh, uh, ditto that, too, man. And... Uh, and the chance to do this with you. So I thought we'd wrap up the show with happy anniversary from the Little River Band. (laughs) (laughs) Happy anniversary, Arch. (laughs) Thank you. I'm blowing out the candles now. Happy anniversary, baby. Got you on my mind. Happy anniversary, baby. Got you on my
This is the CATS Podcasting System.